Welcome to the podcast, From Our Home to Yours, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. It's where we learn to forgive in that home. Good morning, ladies. Well, it's good morning here in Tennessee, but you may be listening at another time. I'm so sorry this podcast is late getting to you. It was meant to come out at six o'clock on Tuesday morning. However, although I had recorded it, we just could not get the sound to come. So, I'm now starting all over again and recording it for you again now. And now it is Thursday and it is the last day of 2020. Isn't that amazing? What a year it has been. In fact, I must read to you a poem. I just got it this morning, and it's from a dear friend of mine in England, and she has written uh, about this last year, and I think it's pretty cool. She pretty well sums it up, what has been happening. 2020, what a year. A roller coaster built on fear. Bats were blamed as sickness spread with no idea what lay ahead. Dead bodies lay on China's roadside, caught on film and shared worldwide. The Chinese guided us with care, taught world leaders everywhere how to lock their nation down, how to silence every town. Our leaders gently took our hands, led us gently as was planned. They made it fun. We clapped and danced, our eyes on screens, quite entranced. We learned to zoom. We didn't mind. Not seeing Granny now was kind. Shaming people next was taught. Granny killers must be caught. Beaches filled with families playing. Home was where they should be staying. Protesting was quite accepted if black lives should be protected. But dare to speak of lockdown's pain? Your voice was silenced, all in vain. Masks were next to keep the pace, to keep us focused on the race. To find the vaccine was the mission. We had to share this global vision. Then testing came to raise the fear and keep us locked up for the year. Testing ramped up, cases grew, false positives were not a few. Healthy people were no more. Silent carriers caused the war. Healthy people stayed inside. Touch and love all were denied. Until our lives became a shell, each day for many, living hell. As days wore on and winter dwelt, the toll of lockdown could be felt. No more dancing or doorstep clapping. Now tempers fray with family snapping. Desperate people, broken now, looking to the sacred cow. The vaccine is their promised saviour. Let's add it to the new behaviour. They've said we'll all have to keep the mask, still keep our distance, they have asked. Add the vaccine, we need all three to make the COVID trinity. So what lies ahead in this new year? More of the same for those who fear. But God has better plans ahead for those who trust in him 
instead. Yes, how true when we see what we have faced this year and how people in our nation here in America and all over the world have come under tyranny, for that is what it is. And we have now come to understand that this virus is not much more than like a flu. In fact, it has a 99.99% recovery rate. Even for those who are older, it's still about a 90% recovery rate. And yet we have still been told to lock down. Thanksgiving, Christmas, we could only have a few people in our home. Of course, we didn't keep to that at all. I mean, for Thanksgiving, um, I made a sit-down meal for our family. Um, I think I wrote um, about 109 name places for our family. I mean, where is the reality Were they going to expect me to get all my beloved grandchildren and great-grandchildren and, of course, our own children and spouses, line them all up and say, "Okay, which eight of you will I have for Thanksgiving and will I have for Christmas dinner? Let me choose which eight. The rest of you are discarded. I mean, how ridiculous. Ridiculous. This is not even normality. This is beyond, beyond even beyond common sense. It's, it's gone ridiculous. And that even family, there's so many families who have eight, nine, ten, twelve children. Goodness me. And, and, and they can only have so many in their house. Oh, what narrow minds these people have. But it's all just for tyranny and lockdown and a precursor of what is to come. For their whole aim, um, and I have shared this before, is to bring in the global reset and the World Economic Forum, uh, which is when we read it, and they've already posted it. Um, Just recently, they posted the eight projections for the World Economic Forum. The very first one is, number one, you will own nothing, but you will be happy. I'm not sure how, but it's pure communism. And so I pray that as we go into this new year, dear precious folks who are listening, that you will not bow to this tyranny. And as you face a new year, that you will claim your freedoms and walk in the lifestyle that God created you to live in. Amen. Well, let's carry on. For this today is the third session of 18 different verbs or attitudes that God gives us of what we are to do about evil. God doesn't just give one verb. I found 18 different verbs. And I believe that when we read the word, that we, want, we can't just take one little thing. We have to know fully what God says. When I'm studying a subject, I don't want to know one little aspect of it. I want to know the fullness of what God is saying. And, and so I have to find everyone. So 
Uh, maybe I've missed one, I don't know, but I found 18 different verbs. And I think it's important for us to hear what they are. We've got to know what God says in his word. As we go into this new year, dear precious ones, we've got to be women of the word. Oh, we've got to know what God says because we will live our lives accordingly. Even now, we are living our lives either according to what we constantly hear daily on the fake media, or we are living our lives according to the truth of the Word of God. Now, by which standard are you living your life? Are you listening to the fears and the tyranny and the deceptions of this fake media? and uh, all that the elite are trying to put on us? Or are you living by the word of God? Matthew 4 verse 4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. If we are believers, we've got to live by the book. This is our book. This is our letter that God has given to us to live in this world. Even if it's not easy, right through history, people have lived by the word, even in the face of persecution and everything that's different around them. We don't live according to the standards of this world. We live according to the word. In fact, I think I'm going to do some sessions on this in the coming year. But let's get, I mustn't get carried away now. Um, we are currently up to number nine. And uh, number nine is guard yourself from evil. God wants us to guard ourselves. We read in Second Samuel, it's David speaking, and uh, let's read his confession, shall we? Second Samuel 22, verses 22 to 24. David says, I have kept the way of the Lord. The word kept there is the Hebrew word shema. Oh, it's a beautiful word. I love the word shema, and it means to guard, to protect, to watch. God himself shamas over us. He guards us and he protects us. But he wants us to also guard our lives. And here David confesses, I have kept shema, the way of the Lord. I have guarded it and have not wickedly departed from my God for all his judgments were before me and as for his statutes I did not depart from them do we walk by his statutes or if they're not fitting in with society's way do I depart from them that's a big question ladies do we continue walking by God's statutes even if they are so opposite to the ways of the world. For his judgments were before me, and as for his statutes, I did not depart from them. I was also upright before him 
and have kept myself, there it is again, guarded myself from mine iniquity. So there we have it. That word Shema, uh, the very first time it is used is in Genesis. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. It's very important to always go back to the very first time a word is used. It is the law of the first principle. That's very important in the Word of God. And when God uses a word the very first time, he is laying a principle for that word. He will build on it as we continue reading. But we we will never get away from that foundation. So what is Genesis 2.15? It is where God put Adam into the garden. And it says here, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden. Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. He gave him two things to do. One, to work in it. The word there is work, and it means to work hard by the sweat of your brow. Isn't that interesting? This is before the fall when I was a little girl. I had this notion that. You know, to work, it came in after the fall of man and that it was a curse upon people after the fall and after they had sinned. I guess I didn't like work very much when I was a little girl. But, of course, as I grew, I found out that was not true and God gave the principle of work before the fall. It was God's plan for us. Ladies... God gave work as something to bless us. Yes, work is a wonderful thing. We do a good day's work and then we're ready to go to sleep. We, we earn our sleep. And as we work, uh, we benefit our body and our mind. As we do things, we learn how to do them better. This is how all the great inventions that we have in the world today have come. Because as people are working and they're doing something, they think, I can do this a better way. I can invent something that can do this better. And so uh, things get better and better and it all comes out of work. Work is therapeutic. So don't despise work, dear ladies, even as you work in your home and you have to manage your home and you have to keep it clean and you keep the laundry up to date and keep all those dishes done and cook your meals and scrub your floors and look after your little ones. Yes, work, work, work. But don't despise it. Embrace it. It's God-given. And so God put the man in the garden to work and to guard it. Two things, work and guard. In fact, they are also uh, given to us in the New Testament. We go over to um, Titus, Titus chapter 2. And uh, if you are familiar with the Word of God, you will know Titus chapter 2, verses 3 to 5, is that wonderful uh, passage where it speaks to older women to teach the younger women. And one of the things that it teach the younger women is to be keepers at home. 
And uh, that word uh, also is a word that means to guard, to watch over. It's a picture of the keeper of a castle who holds the keys and he will not allow anything into that castle or any person who uh, was not allowed to come in. He guarded it. And God has given to us precious ladies, precious mums, the guardianship of our homes. And just as God put the man and the woman in the garden to work in it and to guard it, now goes over to the New Testament and we have the same parallel. We are in our homes to work in them and to guard them, to guard them from evil, to watch over them with our beady eyes. We are the watchdogs of the home. We are watching, we are watching uh, that no evil comes into our homes. Oh, it can come in so subtly, so easily. That's why we have to keep our our um, spiritual eyes and even our physical eyes wide open so that we are always in a state of watching and praying because we are the guardians. So we guard over our own lives. As David was speaking here, we, um, we guard over our lips. We guard over our thoughts. Uh, we guard over our emotions that we do not give in to self-pity and depression and, and just despondency, which women can get into so easily. I think self-pity and despondency are some of the easiest sins we can fall into. We're prone to it, but we guard, you see. We guard, yes. Self-pity and dis despondency, they're, they're not just sort of nice little things that we can just play around with. No, they're sin. They're sin. And, and we have to guard them, watch that we don't fall into these things. And so we're watching over our own lives. We're bringing every thought into captivity to Christ. Now, that doesn't, doesn't just happen. You, you have to be on the, on the warfare to make that happen. But this is how we live. And as we uh, guard over our own lives, then we're guarding over our home and over our children's lives. So God wants us to guard, um, to guard ourselves and our homes. Amen. All right. Number 10, drive out and destroy all evil. We don't play around with evil. We destroy it. We drive it out. Now let's go to a scripture in the Old Testament. Um, I'll give you two or three scriptures here. And these are scriptures where God is speaking to the children of Israel uh, about what they have to do about all those enemies and those uh, that evil people who were in the promised land that was waiting for them. Uh, the, the people of Canaan were an evil people and uh, God wanted them driven out. And he says, Numbers 33, 
52-53. Then shall ye drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you, and destroy all their pictures, and destroy all their molten images, and pluck down all their high places. And you shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell therein, for I have given you the land to possess. Did you get the spirit of that scripture? Did you get those words, destroy, drive out, dispossess? And, um, you know, okay, that was speaking about a literal enemy that they had to face back then. But, dear precious ladies, everything that was written in the Old Testament was a type for us today. There was not one thing that was written that does not relate to us right in our lives, right now, even in our homes. We look at 1 Corinthians 10 verse 11 and it says, Now all these things happened unto them for examples. Now that word examples in the Greek is the Greek word tupo and it means a type a passion, a symbol, an emblem of what is higher. And so everything, every story, every word, every line, it was a type for us, a pattern of how we are to live today and what we are to do. Now, these Israelites, they had to go in and actually destroy these people. Now, we're not going around destroying people, but we are having to destroy evil. In our lives, in our homes, and around about us, we have to have this, uh, this attitude toward evil. You see, we're talking about the different attitudes toward evil. This one is to destroy it. A- and so that's the kind of attitude we have to have. We don't ploy, it, don't play with it. We, we, we just, okay. When we face it, we're going to destroy it. We're going to drive it out. We drive it out of our own lives. We drive it out of our homes. And we seek where we can to drive it out of our own um, communities and, and cities and nation. Because everything starts with the home, ladies. It all starts with the home. We can't have a righteous nation if we don't have righteous homes. It all starts in the home. So now all these things happened unto them for examples, for a pattern, for a type. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world have come. Right for us today. We go to Romans 15.4 and it says again, For whatsoever things were written aforetime, were written for our learning, that we through Patience, that word literally means cheerful endurance. And comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So all these stories that happened in the Old Testament, they are a passion for us today and for our learning for us today. I love that uh, old saying which says, the new that's the New Testament, the new is in the old concealed. The old 
is in the new revealed. Do you like that? All right, here's another one. Deuteronomy 7, 2 onwards to about verse 6. Thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Ye shall destroy their altars, and break down their images, and cut down their groves, and burn their graven images with fire. Are you getting the picture? These are the words, the attitudes, the action words that God wants us to have about evil. And you notice in the Numbers passage, it says that when they have destroyed and driven out their enemies, that then they will possess the land. Dear ladies, we cannot possess all that God has for us until we drive out the evil. That's in our own lives and in our homes And, of course, ultimately, the nation. All the greatest blessings come to us and we begin to live in all the fullness of what God wants us to possess when we drive out the evil first. So few of us live in all the fullness of all that God has for us often because we still have evil lurking around, maybe just a little bit, but he wants us to drive it all out. (coughs) I noticed in Numbers it says, you will drive out all the inhabitants, destroy all their pictures, destroy all their images, pluck down all their high places, and so on. It wasn't, oh, well, we'll get rid of a few of them. No, A-L-L. All right, Deuteronomy 12, 2 to 3. You shall utterly destroy all the places, and ye shall overthrow their olders, and break their pillars, and burn their groves with fire, and ye shall hew down the graven images of their gods, and destroy the names of them, out of that place. Wow, are you getting the picture? And remember, these scriptures are for us today. Yes, today, right now. All right. Remember David's testimony again in Psalm 101. I talked about this last uh, time uh, where David said, Every morning I will destroy all the wicked of the land, wiping out all evildoers from the Lord's city. Well, David did that literally, but of course, we don't even think about doing that today. But we have this attitude about evil. We don't make friends with it. We destroy it. First John 3, 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus now lives in us to accomplish the same thing for when he came into this world to destroy 
the works of the devil. Christ in you, the hope of glory. But yes, Christ in you, destroying the works of the devil. All right. Well, let's look at number 11. Let no evil remain. Now we're going to read of what Joshua did when he went into the promised land. Joshua 10, 33-40. So Joshua smote all the country of the hills and of the south and of the vale and of the springs and all their kings. He left none remaining, but utterly destroyed all that breathed as the Lord God of Israel commanded. Joshua 11, 8 to 12, he smote them and chased them until they left none remaining. And they smote all the souls that were therein with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying them. There was not any left to breathe. You see, okay, that sounds pretty horrific, but it's a type. It's a type. It's a type for us to understand the attitude God wants us to have towards sin. I think we're living in a day where we don't really hate sin. People embrace sin today. But God wants us to have the attitude that we will so drive it out that there will be none left, none left left remaining nothing left to breathe wow that's what God intends now this is the thing it's total annihilation we deal ruthlessly with sin and evil no tolerance not one vestige remaining we live today in a church well in America where Many churches could be called the Church of Tolerance. In fact, I think that's a new name for many churches today. They tolerate sin. They've become lukewarm. I wrote this little quote some time back. If we don't know God's word, we'll be a tolerating Christian. If we know God's word will be a trembling Christian. Remember what God says in Isaiah 66, verse 2? God looks for those who tremble at his word. So we're either doing one of two things. We're either a a person who says, yes, I love God, but, um, you know, well, you know, I, I wouldn't do that, but... Well, I I can't really say anything about it for that person who's doing it. I mean, you know, that's just them, and they're in, and so we we take a very uh, sort of passive attitude towards sin. But God doesn't tolerate it, and He doesn't want us to tolerate it either. And if we really know His Word and what He says, we will tremble before Him. Do we even? Have a trembling spirit, a trembling heart. 
I don't know whether we have this very much, but that's who God is looking for, the one who trembles at his word. So um, let's see, what's our time, Pippi? Woo, 30, that was 30 a while ago. Okay, all right, I think we've got time for number 12. Um, Put away evil from the midst of you. Now, the word put away evil is the Hebrew word ba'ah, and it means to consume, especially by fire, to burn. It's a total consuming of it. So we could even call this consume evil. That's a better title for this point. Consume evil. Now we see this phrase, uh, so shalt thou put the evil away from the midst of thee. We read this phrase over and over again in Deuteronomy chapters 13 to 24. So if you get to read those sometime, right throughout those chapters, you'll see that phrase. So shalt thou put the evil away from the midst of thee, or consume it. I won't give you all the scriptures. Um, You can read those in your own time. Although Deuteronomy 21, 18 to 21 is, wow, I'm always so kind of wowed by this scripture where it says, If any man have a stubborn and rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and that when they have chastened him will not hearken unto them, all the men of his city shall stone him with stones that he die. So shalt thou put put evil away from among you. And all Israel shall hear and fear. Wow. That's rather incredible, isn't it? They took a strong stand against rebellion. Yet today we have a generation of rebellious and stubborn young people. Well, today we don't live as they did in the Old Testament and uh, we wouldn't be doing such things. But It just shows us what kind of an attitude we should have to rebellion and stubbornness. And uh, as we know, the word says that rebellion and stubbornness is as witchcraft. We deal with these things, dear parents, when our children are young. We don't wait till it grows and grows when they are teenagers and they are these rebellious teenagers, which is not a word that's even in the Word of God. In fact, the Word of God doesn't even accommodate a teenage stage. The Word of God speaks about children and then children growing into maturity. Uh, even from a very young age, um, we, we have allowed the teenage years now to become a, a certain era of a person's life when God does not, he never ever envisioned that at all. 
Children are to be constantly growing into maturity. So the by the time they are reaching even the ages of 13 and upwards, they are beginning to do, uh, to live maturely, to take on responsibility and, and to do great things as we read in the Word of God and we even read in history and we even read of the early fathers of our nation, the things that they were doing when they were uh, in their early teens, they were doing what men do today. And, and so we need to uh, be training our children right from young, uh, dealing severely with stubbornness and with rebellion, because this is a thing that God hates, and it, it turns to, it's as witchcraft. And so... We don't ever want our children to get to this stage. We want to make sure that we are driving it out before they ever do. Um, chapter 22, um, that chapter has a lot of, about sexual sins. And every time it says, so shalt thou put away evil from among you. In chapter 24, 7, it talks about kidnapping and how you'll have to put that evil away from among you. And uh, so we go to the New Testament and in 1 Corinthians 5.13, it says, Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Um, yes, God doesn't want evil in the midst. All right. So number 13. Cast off evil. Romans 13.12. By the way, ladies, I am giving you so many scriptures. In fact, this podcast is filled with scriptures. Now, I give you the reference, and if you're washing the dishes as you're listening to this, or you're going for a walk with your headphones on, or you're doing something else, well, you're going to forget the reference, of course. But... Uh, I do transcripts, and in about a couple of weeks, the transcript will come out, and I will have all the references, and if you really want to dig into these scriptures and read them again, you can go to the transcripts and look them up and, and uh, study them more. So here we go, Romans thirteen twelve. the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Now, that word, uh, cast off, uh, what does it really mean? Well, um, let's just look here. Look at some, yes. Let's look at some other translations and they help us to understand. The Amplifier says, fling away the works of darkness. The Passion Translation says, strip away. The New Living Translation says, get rid of all the filth and evil from your lives. So casting off literally means to get rid of. Do you have here in America, I'm sure you do, that saying, Good riddance to bad rubbish. Well, I grew up in New Zealand and we often used to say that phrase. We had a couple of phrases, actually. Sometimes we'd say, goodbye and good riddance. Other times we'd say, good riddance to bad rubbish. 
Do you say that? Well, that's really what this scripture is saying. Because that phrase literally means it's an expression of pleasure, actually. But pleasure that you've got rid of something you don't want. Something undesirable and unwanted. You've got rid of it. And uh, so this is what the attitude we have to have about sin and about evil. We get rid of it and then we can say hallelujah good riddance to bad rubbish I'm finished with that isn't that good yes good riddance to bad rubbish uh, let's read Ephesians 4 22 same Greek words and here it says in the new living throw off or you could say get rid of your old sinful nature and your former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God. So, we put off, and then we put on. Colossians 3.8, put off. And it tells you all the sins to put off. And then it goes on to say, and put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created it. One more scripture as we close. Hebrews 12, 1. Let us lay aside every weight. Or once again, let us get rid of every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Amen. So lovely, darling ladies, we get rid of these things in our lives. And then we can say, good riddance to bad rubbish. I'm finished with that. I'm free. Hallelujah. I can walk in the fullness and uh, of the new man of Christ Jesus who now fills my life and I'm living his life. I'm not giving in to the old flesh and the old life. I'm yielding to the new life of Christ who dwells within me. Dear Father, we just thank you for your word. We've just been, oh God, just confessing your word. I pray that your word will become part of these each precious lady listening, Lord God, and uh, you will help us, Lord, to think like you think, to have the attitude you have, and to see evil and sin like you, Lord, and that we will truly be those who do not tolerate it, that we will never become tolerating Christians, but we will be those, Lord God, who get rid of all evil in our lives and in our homes, and we ask this in the precious name of Jesus.